all about kicking back, relaxing, and enjoying the show. Take the time out of your day to listen to new music and the new sound of radio. Tune in every day, all day, for the greatest hits, latest news, and community events that you can be a part of. MoncoRadio.com, where music and minds meet. Someday soon, just after the final chords of rock and roll all night ring out on that Shea Stadium stage, I'll pick up my bass and exit stage right. America will have seen the last of Kiss on stage. America was our home. These were our people, and playing the final shows will be bittersweet, to say the least. You wanted the best, you got the best. The hottest band in the world, KISS. Kiss Army, you wanted the best and you got it. I am Matt Porter and you are in the Kiss Room. For our April issue of the Kiss Room, I will be joined by some special guests, including well-known guitar wizard Bill Baker. The Kiss Room house band will be rocking another great set. And I will be talking to a mysterious member in Kissery, Thabo. We're celebrating Ace Fraley's birthday this month, so I'm leading off the show with one of my favorite tracks from 2009's Anomaly. This is Pain in the Neck. You're tuned in. Turn it up. You're in the Kiss Room on Mako Radio, where music and minds meet.
KISS Army, we are back, and I am joined by a very special guest. Anyone who has joined the KISS Room Facebook group knows that when you ask to join, I ask you two questions. Do you listen to the KISS Room, and who is your favorite member? A few years ago, fans started to reply to the favorite member question with one word, Thabo. So, who is Thabo, and what is his place in history? After years of digging, I'm pleased to welcome Tommy Baroni to the Kiss Room, known to fans around the world as Thabo. Welcome to the Kiss Room. Thank you, Matt. I'm honored to be here. My first question is, how do you fit into the Kiss timeline? What's your place in history? I knew Hiram in the Catskills club circuit in the early 70s before Kiss. I was playing in my band, Ghouls. Hyam was playing in a group called Bullfrog Beer. We hung with the same crowds and played the same places. Later, they were doing a different band. I think it was called Wicked Lester by then. And my band was called Ghouls. We were huge, doing really well in the clubs. Hyam and I would hang out and we wrote some songs together, which later ended up as Kiss songs. So the picture that you sent me is of a band called Ghouls. The whole band is wearing full face makeup that looks very similar to Paul's bandit makeup. Yeah, how about that? Ghouls was way ahead of everybody with the makeup. Funny how it ended up with Stan using it first. You also sent me a picture of yourself playing an organ. Was that your main instrument? Yeah, I was a piano and organ player first, which greatly influenced my guitar playing. I guess by today's standards, I would have been a shredder or a fast player because I was trying to play on the guitar what I heard in my head as a piano part. Then Gene saw what I was doing and showed it to this young kid named Eddie Van Halen. He was trying to produce them. Everyone thinks Eddie invented two-handed tapping, but I did. And you worked on songs with Gene. Yeah, Hyam and I were friends. I didn't do as much with Stan. Got on real good with Peter. We were both kind of tough street guys. I had a hand in a bunch of those early songs. Stut her... It's all about me. Firehouse. She set my house on fire. <laughs> How did you get the name Thabo? Well, my real name is Tommy Baroni, which is cool. But everyone in the neighborhood called me T-Bone, which is stupid. And I would also tell them, call me Thabo. Very cool. So when you were texting me earlier, you mentioned that you consider yourself an original member of KISS. Yes, I do. By mid-1972, my band Ghouls was on a break. And Hyam and Stan and Pete and Ace, I call him Paul, but you all know him as Ace. We were all jamming together. Like I said, I helped to write a lot of the songs. But those guys all wanted to be the leader, so they got tired of listening to me, even though I had so much success with the ghouls. And you sent me a piece of tape of you guys in the famous loft, and you said, play this, it was the last time I was ever in the room with Kiss. Yeah, the tape speaks for itself. I had a small recorder, and I would record stuff all the time. Play it, you will hear my last moments in the band. Hey guys, I finished up the lyrics on that song. Can we give it a go? Absolutely. Let's rock it, Thabo. It's all about me.
is cancer I should be in on the music magazines When you meet me, you will need me You'll touch your hips and tell me that you'll please me I'll take my hand and this is what I'll say I'll say, baby, baby, don't you hesitate Cause I just can't wait Lady, won't you get down on your knees And do as I please It's all about me Hold it, hold it, hold it Stop for a second Fabo, first of all, there's no smoking in the loft Secondly, your guitar sounds like a buzzing bee, and these lyrics, uh, I don't know, did you write any lyrics about girls or cars? Why is it always about you? You're crazy, bad boy. This stuff is great. Who cares about that other junk? Okay, okay, let's, let's pick it up from the verse. I'm the man, no one like me, and there is no one above me. Good looking and I think you're looking pretty good So I let you share my mirror My moments can't be any clearer I shut the lights and feel you with my hands So, baby, baby, don't you hesitate Cause I just can't wait you get down on your knees and do as I please. It's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about me. No, no, baby, bang, bang, hold it, hold it, hold it. not gonna work. Uh, what's the matter, Paul? Yeah, what else, Stellar Star? I mean, Star Child. <laughs> his voice is too goggly, and his lyrics are a little too negative. Paul, I think you need to get your hearing checked. And while you're at it, get your head examined. I talked to my therapist just the other day, and he told me all that ultimately these people will fail. Do you hear what I said, Thabo? You're just jealous because I have two ears. Okay, okay, that is it, Thabo. You're fired. Oh, yeah! There's only room for two egos in this band. Now take your broken guitar with the smoke coming out of it and get out! Fine! I've had enough. Then let me go rock and roll. Thabo. It's always give me more of you guys. Thabo. It never goes away. Hold it. I feel betrayed, but I sure know something. Listen, this guy. One of these days you guys are going to hit rock bottom. Thabo. Hard times will come, and we'll see whose tears are falling. Thabo. I'm no hooligan. Thabo. I've got charisma. And I'm going to be a big star, Thabo. even if it takes me a hundred thousand years. Stop for a second. You think I'm just a boy, but I'm king of the mountain, and I'm going to rise to it, because I believe in me. I believe in something more than you can understand. It just goes on. It's my life, so come hell or high water, Thabo. I will live to win. Thabo. And I'm in this all the way. Thabo. And I've got nothing to lose. And this guy says I'm hard of hearing. And I know. Every time I look at you, I have a reason to live, and I'm gonna dance all over your face. No, 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 bang, bang, you! Sayonara, chumps, and here's what I think of your guitar. Ah! 
going to dance all over my face. Hmm. Paul, were you writing any of that stuff down? Wow, that was pretty rough. But it's the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So all these years later, are you still making music? I've been getting into experimental music lately. Here's a new piece I just wrote this past Easter. It's called Ham and Eggs. Tommy Baroni, known as Thabo. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Any last-minute comments? I'm really glad that we connected. I am happy to have a platform to tell my story. I know that most fans don't know who I am, but the hardcore KISS fans do. Thanks for helping me to set the record straight. You are very welcome. Thank you for joining me on the April Fool's issue of The KISS Room. You're listening to The KISS Room on Monco Radio, where music and minds meet.
Kiss Army, we are back. And joining me in the Kiss Room right now is guitar wizard and author of the Ace Frehley Ultimate Fan Scrapbook, Mr. Bill Baker. Bill, welcome to the Kiss Room. Hey there, Matt. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Finally, we got it together. You know, it's funny. I remember back like May, like 2011, we did a video interview. That's back even before the Kiss Room existed. That was one of the New York conventions. You had your full right. display of stuff. And, and and that was back when I would go around and just kind of do video. But so that's, we go way back on this. It's fun. And uh, yeah. one of the things that, that I thought of, one of the one of the things that obviously I we were talking before we started recording here was uh, conventions. You know, seeing your band Fractured Mirror at the one convention at the Rothman Center and where you were blowing people away because it looked like Ace without the makeup. If anybody that's out there that hasn't seen it, you got to dive into Bill's YouTube page. This convention was, imagine, you know, it's in like a gym or whatever the Rothman Center was. It was a basketball stadium. And people are packed in. I remember it being packed and hot and vendors are everywhere and people were going nuts for an Ace Fraley tribute band without makeup. Bill, you knocked the people away that day. What do you remember about that? You know, since I was friends with Richie Rano and already involved in the KISS convention and, you know, putting together the band, which is a whole other story, I had said to Richie, you know, I got this Ace band now. Maybe we could open for the KISS tribute. He's like, yeah, sounds good to me. Next year, we're going to be at this Rothman Center. It's a really big place. We're going to have a big stage. We're like, oh, wow, this is great. So 1993 was the first year that we played. And uh, I was scared because it was, there was, I think there had to be almost 2,000 people that year. There were, you know, a lot of people went. I think one year he had 3,000 people. But, um, you know, just getting up there and playing the songs. Unfortunately, I still had my glasses. I hadn't gotten contact lenses yet because we really had just gotten started. And um, to open up for the Kiss tribute band and play something different, we were a little reluctant at how are people going to take us. And the other guys in the band, they weren't really trying to look like anybody in particular. I was just like, well, just look rock and roll. I'll worry about trying to look like Ace. Um, I think I had like a pink silk shirt, which was kind of ace appropriate, but, uh, I did have my card boots that I had bought previous because at the 92 kiss convention, which you and I just talked about ace walks in with a brand new pair of card boots because he had given me his old ones. And I'm like, Hey, where'd you get those boots? (laughs) And he told me about this store called trash and vaudeville in New York, which I started going to, I got my own pair of boots. Matter of fact, the very last pair that they had were my size. And I said, well, Ace told me he was just here. And so they gave me a discount because I mentioned Ace's uh, name. But um, so I got those boots and we played for the first time. And I, after we were done, I couldn't believe the reception that we got. People really liked us. They were impressed. They were, and we tried to pick out, different songs you know ace written ace type of songs there may be a couple songs that were really just kiss or whatever but i mean we were basically kiss fans just wanting to play what we liked and just to backtrack the reason we came up with the band was because my friend mike 
he says, I'm going to this open jam. I'm going to play with this guy. He says he really likes to play Kiss songs. So I'm going to play Kiss songs. And I wasn't asked to play, but I was like, okay, I'll come listen. And when I heard this drummer play, he was just like the Alive record. I was like, wow, wow this guy really knows the songs. So after the, the little thing, I said, oh, you should come back to my place. I could show you some Ace's Kiss costumes. And he's like, what? And I said, well, yeah, yeah I'm friends with Ace and I have some of the stuff. And he's uh, people don't believe you until they, they see it. So, uh, so he comes over and we start, he sees my guitars and this and that. And he's like, you know, I always wanted to play kiss stuff. And I was like, yeah, me too. You know, I just, I've been jamming with some friends and they're teaching me some kiss stuff. I really having some fun with it. He's well, what if we put together a kiss band? And then he, I still remember him being like, you know, what if you tried to pull off Ace Freely? Nobody has like an Ace Freely tribute. If you're friends with Ace, you could do like, you know, like a Freely's Comet kind of thing. So that was what we, you know, tried to do. Our first name that we picked was Trouble Walking, which <laughs> I don't know, it didn't stick. We didn't keep, we went with Fractured Mirror. But, you know, playing the conventions was, it was awesome because number one, the challenge of, Okay, if we're playing again next year, there's people that are going to be there from the previous year. They don't want to hear the same songs. We want to, so we would try to come up with different songs. One year we did Dark Light, you know, I'm I'm in need of love. We, you know, different different stuff. Um, it was a blast. I mean, we had a we had a great time. But the guiltiest party of it all was Ace himself, because I gave him videos of us playing so he could see it. And I still remember he called me at work one time and he's like, Bill, if I squint my eyes, it looks like me. And, I, <laughs> like, you know, and he liked it. And I mean, to get that phone call and that compliment is more than anybody that plays guitar because someone influenced them could could ever ask for. You know, it was like, a, I don't want to say dream come true, but it was like it was a really big pat on the back. And uh so he gave me some of his old clothes that I could wear on stage, you know, his blue jacket, his tattoo jacket, some pants or, you know, a shirt. I wore the Hendrick shirt, which I still have. I'll never get rid of that Hendrick shirt. So, you know, I mean, that was the biggest reward was, you know, he acknowledged us. And every year we, we played, I, of course we got better and better, but uh, there was more and more people to, to play and uh, who did we play with? Strutter, Hotter Than Hell. Um, there was another band, too, that, that Kiss band we played with. But experience I'll never forget. And I don't ever see myself ever really doing it again. I just I look nothing like Ace, and I don't play that stuff anymore. So it's nice to look back at it. You know. Well, you know, and, and anybody, if they're listening, obviously we're a radio show, they can't see you. But back in the day, and you say you don't look like it, but you do have a striking resemblance. You got the same kind of body type. And I remember at the like that Rothman Center gig, for instance, I remember a kid running, like just charging his way through because he was <laughs> convinced that it was Ace. And and just he came bolting through and he's like, oh my God, it's Ace. Like he was convinced it was Ace. And I know that over the years, because you told me that that people have mistaken you from Ace. I know you got a couple well, uh, funny yeah, stories about that. Before, these <laughs> these people come up to me with some stuff and they want me to sign their stuff. And I'm like, um, well, Ace will be out later and, you know, he'll be happy to sign them for you. And they're like, oh, come on, Ace, don't kid us, you know. 
And I think it was partially because they didn't really know what he looked like now. All they had was a fan club flyer that was an airbrushed picture that, okay, it could have, it, it looked more like me than it really did of him. <laughs> it's older, he, you know, he really touched the picture up. And of course, it's, it's a dark club. You know, I have very similar hair, similar body, and I'm just standing there and they think that it's Ace. So when they finally saw Ace, I was like, okay, you know, we, we get it. It's, you know, it's, you're not Ace. But it was kind of, I mean, look, I was a, a fanboy that went a little overboard. I'll totally admit it, you know. <laughs> but I also had the person I was imitating coaxing me along. So you can't really blame me. You know, no, it's fantastic. Right. And that's what I was going to say. Kiss loves you. You talked a lot about that. Some people have I mean, I've seen some pretty negative comments towards me out there. And it's like, I just want to say, you know, dude, if if it was you, wouldn't you have done the same thing or, you know, okay, call me guilty. I went a little overboard, but I certainly had fun with it. And you know, it, and it always seemed fun. Like, that was the great thing. And those conventions were always such a blast. I mean, we're talking, you know, 89, 89, 90, 91, 92. Like, I mean, it's early. There was nothing better than it. You know, the first, I think the first year I actually went was 88. And I just was selling some stuff. I didn't get to go to the first or the second one. I forget, but brought some stuff to sell. And I knew a couple other guys that they had this kiss stuff for me to sell and then i went back 89 and you know bought some stuff and it was 1990 when i met the guy that introduced me to ace but then it was after that when i put the the band together and all that stuff but as you know like you said we were talking about 1992 when ace was there Every year there was more and more people because word got around. It was the thing to do. Well, that was that um, Meadowlands Hilton. Now, I think that was the sixth one where Ace was the guest. And that was the one that popped up in my Facebook memories. And when I talked to you earlier in the week, I said, where were you on Sunday, April 5th, 1992? Because I know where you were, which might have freaked you out for a couple seconds. You did. You threw me off because usually that's in my mind. It was like at the end of April. Sometimes they were early May. And I'm thinking for a second, geez, I, I don't know. What did I what did I do? But uh, it's hard <laughs> to believe that, you know. And then the year before, Peter was there. Peter, I think, you know, Peter was the first, I guess, the first real mem- KISS member that appeared. I remember I had right. him sign, I had him sign my bass drum head. I had the I had the original KISS bass drum head with the four holes in it. Uh, that was it's in the Anaheim video. And I also have this frame that I still have behind me that has uh, Peter's sticks and some picks. And I I bought an 8x10 from Lydia, I think, um, the a year or two previous. And I had a frame, but it was one of the very first uh, photos that all four of them signed. They wow. Sat them down. Uh, another one recently sold, but there was only five or ten of those, maybe. But yeah, very early. And of course, so I had Peter sign that on the glass, but uh, that's when they had the line. We were talking about that. They had to line everybody out the door. There was so many people in line for the autographs. And I guess that's why they had to move to the Rothman Center, really, because it just got so big. And I remember Richie telling me one year that there was over 3,000 paid admissions. 
You know, what's funny thinking about that is if anybody that missed those years, it's something that will never be recreated because it was at a time when there was really no internet. So you couldn't buy everything under the sun from all over the planet. We always called it Christmas day because you would, you would find things that you just couldn't find anywhere else. There'd be people huddled around TVs, watching bootlegs. You'd find posters. It really, and, and I remember them just being shoulder to shoulder and hot and packed. And, you know, and it's funny because that's the way a lot of people probably discovered you was back in those early, early days, you would bring that awesome display and every year would get bigger and bigger. And now you'd have the whole one side of the, you know, the, the basketball court would be filled with like the Fraley's Comet huge logo and then it was your museum talk about that uh well uh same deal Richie said something like well you got all this memorabilia it'd be so great if we could have some kind of museum and uh so 92 when Ace was there I guess they already maybe they already had like a they did have a museum and uh so then I started getting involved in it and I, I was telling you the other day that um, when Ace was there that year, at the very end of the day, he's like, Bill, I want to come down and see the, you know, the display. And so we go down, and there's the two of us looking, and we're, you know, and he's very, it, I, he seemed like he was ver- very proud of seeing everything set up and in front of him. And there's other people standing there. And I'm like, oh, does somebody have a camera? It'd be great to get a picture of Ace and I in front of the museum. And I was out of film, and nobody else <laughs> So it's just the memory in my head and Ace is looking at me saying, good job, Bill. Um, but then uh, the the following year, 93, I remember Richie even uh, said, I'll cover you to rent a van to bring all that stuff because all I have is a car. And I brought a nice big display. And yeah, one year, somebody brought the Freely's Comet logo and said, here you go, Bill. Take it home. It's yours now. Wow. Yeah. They didn't want it. It was in storage. Somebody was paying for it, not Ace, and they just didn't want it anymore. So it was now part of my collection. And uh, so I had to store that in my parents' garage. But, um, <laughs> yeah. And then uh, it just got bigger and bigger. But I'll tell you a really quick story that I I didn't put it in my book. But uh, I don't know if, if you remember in Detroit, Gene and Paul raided a convention. Absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> That was partially because that one guy, Steve, whose name I can't remember from Canada, I think had sent Gene a fax telling him, look, there's going to be costumes, you know, and Gene was kind of on the lookout for these costumes because things were taken from this warehouse. But we all watch uh, Storage Wars. We realize your bills, your things get sold. And that's basically what happened. So uh, Gene, uh, I guess, gets this fax and decides that him and Paul are going to fly in and go to a judge and say, look, our stolen property is going to be at this convention. And sure enough, you know, that morning they walk in with police and they have paperwork saying this is stolen property. And it was Al Munson had the museum there. And I was offered to go as well. And. It was from Joe Marshall, who ran the convention. Innocently, he just wanted to have a nice museum. And I said, well, what would you give me to come out there? He goes, well, I'll give you a hotel room. And I'm like, I don't think I want to drive out there just for a hotel room. Well, Al did. And Al could do nothing. They took his stuff. And Mm. Gene 
you know, take us to court. You know, this is our stuff. And, uh, and not all of it that Al had came out of the museum. So rightfully, Gene and Paul really didn't have rights to all of it. So um, the next KISS convention's coming up, and Richie talks to me, and he says, well, did you still want to do, do a museum? And I said, absolutely. I said, I'm going to do a Freely's Comet Museum. I just won't put any KISS stuff. I got plenty of Freely's Comet stuff. I got the Comet sign. I got Ace's, you know, amps. I got, you know, all the clothes he wore in the Comet and solo years, whatever. I'll do a nice display. So I found out from Bill Coyne himself that Gene and Paul were going to come out and they were going to come after me. They were also oh. coming out, I think, to record for Rockline. Rockline was like on a Monday, I think they recorded. So as I learned, Gene and Paul came out on Friday, went to a judge, got paperwork with my name that I was in possession of stolen property. And then that Sunday morning when I set up my museum, I guess they sent someone to come and see what I had. And, you know, we need that sound effect. There's no kiss stuff. <laughs> Sorry, Gene Paul. You have no rights to any of Ace's solo stuff, so they couldn't come and confiscate anything. You know what I mean? I, yeah, back back then, I mean, that had to be one of the... That was always amazing. People would see you had stuff that was so rare what do you think was the most rare piece that you ever had? Well, rare, I get. And well, I'm I'm thinking of one thing, but I mean, um, I will always cherish the earring that Ace gave me. That's yes. the first album. <laughs> um, the uh, the Love Gun costume was one of my favorites, and actually, a really good friend of mine bought a number of things from me, and he has that. He has wow. the he has the smoker, he has the love gun outfit, he has Ace's Marshall, which the cabinets were on the stage when they played the Coventry. Um, he's got one of the lightning bolt guitar straps, but um, but I you know I recently sold I had that aluminum Valeno guitar. There was that famous photo of Ace with the purple jumpsuit. I still have the jumpsuit, and it's the great greatest thing is in that photo. Ace has the jumpsuit and he's wearing the star earring. So I have, still have those two pieces. But um, that's fantastic. I, you know, I sometimes like knock myself in the head thinking about all this stuff that I had. I mean, at one time I even had Ace and Jeanette's bowling balls. <laughs> um, like bizarre stuff. I had that ray gun when they were in the kiss was at the radio station. Um, which, you know, I, I sold that. It, it, look, you can't keep everything. And people are like, how could you sell that? It's like, you know, I had it for so long and I either wanted to buy something else or I had to pay a bill or, yeah, I sold some stuff at one point. I, I got married and wanted to go on a honeymoon and, you know, you have to move forward in life. I couldn't keep all this stuff. And also the fact that when Ace and I, you know, we didn't have a fight. He just basically, the, the term today is ghosted. <laughs> it was easy. Yeah, it was easy to sell some things and say, okay, I got to move on in my life. And uh, I got into Elvis and I got into other things and move forward. And But I still kept some really good things. 
I still have a ton of images and slides and negatives. I could probably do another book, although I don't want to. I'm looking into trying. I'm looking into trying to reprint the first book. You know, eventually I would like to try to make another little small printing of that. But everyone said you should do another book. It's like it's so much work and so much time and money. I just can't do it. I'd like to do some other books on other subjects. But um, which is super interesting. I mean, I'm sure a lot of fans out there know the Ace Fraley Ultimate Fan Scrapbook that you produced. Now, thinking about that, what were some of the things that you learned being, you know, an author and and collecting all your photos? What were the challenges of putting that book together? Which that I mean, obviously, any Ace fan, it's it's a goldmine. The pictures, the photos, the memorabilia. You know, it's a book that everybody should have. What were some of the things you remember about putting that together? I remember the hardest thing was trying to narrow down what I was going to put into it. And then when you have all these slides and negatives, not everything is printed. So you're looking at a slide and yeah, it looks great. But when you actually scan it or take it somewhere and have it printed, it looks totally different. Right. Maybe it's too dark or maybe it's, you know, not right or something. So it's, it took a lot of time to really go through stuff and figure out, okay, I like this. I don't like this. And then the other thing was paper memorabilia, you know, lyrics or passes or stickers or, uh, just whatever was something that was his or used or advertisements. And then to try to organize them in a timeline And then I'm trying to think, okay, because I decided it's not going to be biographical. That's really Ace's place to tell his story. My story was basically, hey, I was a fan growing up. I amassed this collection and from, you know, in a timeline of, of events, here's my collection from the beginning of his time up until, you know, when he rejoined Kiss and just try to piece everything in and. So I, what I did was I bought these two big binders and laid out uh, sheets with a, a divider in it, and they co- basically were the page. And I would insert things into there saying, okay, this goes on this page, this goes on that page. And luckily I had a really good friend, this guy Mike Buckman. I've known him forever. He works with a lot of musicians that, who I do guitar work for. He's a graphic artist. And I said, hey, Mike, I want to lay out this book and do it. And he started playing with like some covers and some I gave him some images and he started coming up with some things. And I said, would you be interested in doing the layout on this? And he's like, sure, I'd love to. So every Tuesday night we'd get together and we'd get some takeout and we'd sit there and have a couple beers and do a page or two or three or whatever. You know, we'd scan stuff. We'd play around with things. So he printed some stuff out. I brought it home. I showed it to my wife, who's my greatest critic. And she's like, you know, I think she'd do this. You should try this. So we'd go back and, you know, uh, it, it was a lot of work. It, I think it took a year and a half of all that. And then I'm really not a writer. So I wrote down a lot of ideas. And then my wife helped me going through it. I had another friend that was a writer that helped me with stuff. The biggest thing I needed help with, and I'll, I'll be honest with you was how to put into words 
my disappointment of what happened between Ace and I with the unplugged and the time right after that. And I didn't want to say anything that I'd regret. Right. Right. Of course, easy to be mad. It's easy to say things, but you also have to consider that you don't know this other person in every way possible. And you really just don't have a right to trash them. And you know what? Down the road, if you're going to still be friends, it's not worth it. And it, as it turns out, I'm glad I did that because, you know, Ace lives 10 minutes from me now. <laughs> so my wife has already run into him. And, you know, I mean, I've seen him at Chiller and other conventions and we're cool. We're just not buddies. And I know I'm going to run into him somewhere around here. And, you know, hey, how you doing? So I'm glad that when I was writing that, I, my friend said, you just need to tell the truth because everybody goes through disappointment in different ways. Yes, your biggest idol just moved on. You didn't get to go to Unplugged. Life goes on, you know? So I'm just happy for the time that I had knowing the guy, the experiences, the things that I owned, and I got to put it in a book and... I just wanted to share that with fans, you know, which is fantastic. I mean, it's funny, um, you know, kind of going off of that, you know, we talk a lot about those years where you were doing the tribute band and you were doing the conventions. And the other week, um, Kiss posted this just a fantastic looking tattoo that had the original members and Eric Carr. And right away, I thought of your song, Put It On, <laughs> because it had the great line, no one has tattoos of Bruce Kulick. And, and I wonder, and so what I want to do right now, I'm going to go to that song. Anybody out there that hasn't heard it, we're going to refresh your memory. This is Fractured Mirror with Put It On. I'm talking to Bill Baker here in the Kiss Room on Mako Radio where music and minds meet. Because of this 
And we're back here in the Kiss Room. That, of course, was Fractured Mirror. That is Bill Baker with his Ace Fraley tribute. Now, look, that song has so many great lines that only Kiss fans know. But the first thing I want to know, have you ever run into Bruce Kulik and asked him, does anybody have a tattoo of Bruce Kulik? Has he heard the song? It's been out for a long time. but um, You want to know something? So uh, I got two parts to that. One is um, the first time was Bob Kulik was at one of the Kiss conventions and I guess someone told him it was me that sang that song. And he came over and he kind of started yelling at me. He goes, oh, you're the one that sung that song. I'm like, uh, I'm like, dude, it, you know, it's just a, a joke, you know. It, it, he was, I don't think he was too happy about it. So then um, uh, in, there was a convention in Baltimore that I went to and uh, Bruce was there. And I waited online and said bruce i'd love to get an autograph but i want you to write something special <laughs> and i said and he says well what is that and i said well would you write that no one has tattoos of bill baker and, <laughs> looks, and, he, and he looks at me and he goes um is that from that song and i was like yeah and that's me singing it and he like he laughed and he says and he, he says, that's really kind of funny, you know? So he did write, he goes, to Bill, no one has tattoos of Bill Baker, ha ha, and then he autographed it. And then later that day, he came over to my table, I guess just walking around, and, and he said, oh, it's, you know, thanks for coming up, it was nice to meet you, and, you know, he said hi to my wife and everything, but uh, at least he was he was cool about it. But my... <laughs> my you know, the lyrics, and I, I pulled them out to <laughs> the, original, the original lyrics that my drummer is the one that wrote this song, or he at least he wrote the lyrics. And he, he just, he had this idea, you know, and there was a band a long time ago, Hottest and Lamb, because of their show, Makeup and Heels, We Couldn't Resist, Put It Back On. Oh, he wrote the world's chanting, We Want Kiss, but... I sat with him and we tinkered with stuff. And in my head, I heard shout it out loud. But I was like, well, we can't take the riff of shout it out loud. It's going to be too much of a rip off. Gene will sue for sure. <laughs> um, so uh, I, I don't know. I came up with this riff and I even found I still had what I wrote down, my little cheat sheet to remember what I did. It's really like a pull off. Which it's kind of similar to Shout It Out Loud, but it is a bit different. Or I was trying to make it different. And so I pretty I wrote the music and then I came up with the lead. And the bass player came up with the really cool bass riff that goes behind it. So I have credit. Preston wrote the lyrics and then I did the music. And and we put our heads together because at the time, well, Kiss wasn't playing with their makeup. Everybody wanted to put their makeup on. So I, we originally titled it Put It On. I always liked the title Put It Back On because that's really what it is. But... I still haven't been sued from Gene. I don't have to <laughs> sit in jail to see the blood bat, bat lizard spew. <laughs> but, 
but uh, it was fun, you know. And we we went in the studio and we recorded that song. We recorded uh, "Watching You" and something else. But we mainly went in to do "Put It Back On," and um, it was fun. The lead guitar player, lead guitar part, is actually tripled. Like a lot of guys, they'll double it. We played every that whole song was live, and. So I said, well, go back. Let me just double the lead. And then I was like, oh, do you have one more track? How about if I triple it? And I turned my amp way up. And that's that feedback that comes at the end because I had the amp much louder. And uh, it was it was a blast playing that song. And people, I, I think people really liked it. And when Hennigan did Kiss Loves You, he says, Bill, I'm putting that song in the movie. And we actually got paid for that. We got a royalty because it was an original song. I think I got a check for a hundred dollars, which I split. <laughs> and I still have the. As a matter of fact, the first check he sent me, he screwed up, and I said, "Jim, can I keep this check?" And he's like, "Only if you could send me a picture of it voided out, because you know I don't want a, a loose check out there because I wanted to keep it as a souvenir, you know." That's See, that's you need to update it and, and have the line. No one's gotten sued by Gene Simmons. <laughs> you know, but you know, I hate to say it. Do we need to write a song called "Take It Off" or "Take It Back"? Off? Hey, you know, take it back off. It's funny because, like, and I love talking about those early retire. days. You know, those <laughs> early days of the conventions because you remember them and you were such a part of it. But that's the thing that was at every convention. You figure most of those happen when the makeup was off and there was every year there'd be like a new bootleg or something. And it was always like one of those early kiss ones. Yeah, and there was always, yeah, it was always the talk was, would they put the makeup back on? Oh, I heard this. I heard that. And you yeah. figure that entire time when those expos and conventions were really running wild, that was still always one of the buzzes. Would they put the makeup back on? So in a way that song really did, you know, I always, think about it of the at of those times when you know they weren't wearing the makeup and the conventions were so much fun and we used to have so much fun with it it was really something different but the no, uh, we were just nerdy fans and we just <laughs> loved going and looking at stuff to buy stuff we didn't have and meeting other people that loved kiss you know people came from all over the world to go to the older conventions yeah, I met people from all these different countries, especially being in the band that come up to you. Oh, I flew over from Finland. I flew over from Germany. I, I was like, oh, are you kidding me? Wow. You know, I had a, a there was a girl that I, I met this girl, Keiko from Japan. That was a fan of the band. She flew over to come see us play. I, I was like, you know, there's a lot of dedicated fans out there. So, you know, just like you, Matt, just saying you know, how you got in line to get Ace's autograph at the convention and stuff. You know, I was right there with you, being there and enjoying the day. And I, I you know, I still remember, I forget what year it was, but um, Hotter Than Hell was playing. And the Ace guy, um, uh, Scott McCluskey, called me up. It must have been three or four in the morning. But I was awake. And I get up and I answer the phone. He's like, Bill, Scott, are you sleeping? And I'm like, no. He's like, me either. <laughs> we were both <laughs> excited. 
you know, we were just, we couldn't wait to get there. And I, I mean, I'm still kind of like that. Whenever my wife will tell you, when we have a, a kiss convention to go to, I, you know, I'm up late the night before getting ready. And then I'm up early that morning. I'm re- raring to go. And I got to, you know, shake her out of bed. Come on, let's go. There's, you know, I got to go to this convention. It's going to be fun. You know, and they always are fun. They're still fun. You know, Peter Arquette and his group have been putting on great conventions. And I really can't wait till they're able to do it again. You know, I've, I've enjoyed the last couple ones recording the kiss room at them like actually taking my mobile rig and actually recording and you get to talk to every fan and they come walking up some of them are familiar you know some of them they just and i get them on there it's great i i didn't make it to the last ones i had to go away at the you know at the times that they were but um yeah i saw that you were there i'm like what a great idea record your show talk to, to the same fans that you and i hung out with 20 30 years ago Let's talk to them now and we can broadcast it and record it and get their feelings. And, but you know, the it's, it's good and it's sad at the same time because the fans of today have a different impression than we did. You know, we loved uh, the core of it all is, is kiss themselves, but we were exposed to different things that these younger kids are exposed to because they have to suck up all the years where we just had the original kiss and some dolls and a few posters. <laughs> now these kids have coffins and coffee and, uh, you know, condoms. <laughs> well, that's Gene's line. They get you coming and going. So it's just, uh... <laughs> yeah. You know, and one thing, I mean, obviously kind of going back, I mean, do you remember what was, like, how did you originally discover Kiss? I mean, like, I think you're you're around my same age. It had to be, you know, probably Destroyer, Rock and Roll Over. What do you remember about those early days? My friend, Mike Moscato, my childhood friend from school that we did everything together, um, calls me up and says, I just bought this 45. You got to come over and listen to it. And so I go over and it's Take Me and Calling Dr. Love. And, of course, we're both just like, oh, my God, this is, you know, amazing. And uh, then I, another friend of mine had Destroyer. And then another friend, or it might have been Mike, might have gotten alive. And I still, you know, just remember being there and, and listening to Alive and looking at the booklet and with the little, you know, the handwritten notes and the pictures and all that, and just listening to the excitement of, of all this. And for, for a kid, it was unreal, you know? And, you know, my parents loved music. I grew up with music, but there was nothing like Kiss. You know, I I grew up with doo-wop and, you know, the, the other seventies bubblegum music, which I, I love, you know, I love the Carpenters. I love all kinds of, you know, 70s stuff, but Kiss was just totally different. So then uh, the first album that I actually bought was Love Gun. And uh, I always love telling people this, but when we convinced my, my mom and my aunt to take my cousin and I to the record store, I got Kiss Love Gun and he got Fleetwood Mac Rumors. And of course... <laughs> To be fair to each other, we had to take turns playing one side of each. So I listened to Kiss Love Gun and Fleetwood Mac Rumors. 
<laughs> nice. A good combination. Well, I'll tell you what, we're headed up to the top of the hour. We're going to listen to the Kiss Room House Band. So what I'm going to do is we're going to transition into that. Bill, tell me, what was the fi- the first song that you ever learned how to play? First song? Well, uh, okay, that's, that's kind of easy. Uh, wild Thing. Wild Thing. Okay, and then the first Kiss song you learned how to play. First Kiss song. Well, my fr- my good friend Bryn Orns, who's a famous musician um, from Minneapolis, decided he was going to teach me to be ace, in a sense. He's like, you gotta you gotta play Kiss stuff, because they had a band in New York City, and uh, this band Rattling Bones. They're a really great rough raw band, and um, he decided I should play. I should pick up the guitar again because I really had stopped playing. I'd played. Hendrick stuff and I got burned out on it. He's like, you should play Ace, you'd be a great ace. Um, I think maybe Cold Gin might have been the first one that we worked on because maybe because it was easier and and I kind of took to it, you know. But the the advantage that I had was Ace's leads are all blues minor, just like Hendrix. So the style was very similar. And maybe I maybe he picked up on that or whatever, but so we started jamming on, you know, Kiss stuff. And I'd bring over the Kiss videos, and we'd watch. And then, okay, let's go try to play those couple of songs. And Bryn was pretty good. He knew a lot of that stuff. Would show me. And before you know it, we were jamming. On YouTube somewhere I have us doing something in their loft. Because they had this great loft in the village where we could play till 3 in the morning. Um, you know. I even brought Richie Rano there one time. These they were huge stars fan. I'm like, yeah, I'll bring Richie over. Oh my God, they're freaking out. Um, but uh, yeah, so I have to credit Bryn with getting me into playing that. It's funny how these things happen in your life that one thing leads to another, and it really comes down to like Richie Rano saying, oh, you know, you should come to this Kiss convention, and uh, then it turns out that I meet the guy, this guy in 1990 that had this Marshall cabinet that introduces me to Ace. And then, like, these events that just, uh, you know, course your life somehow. That's fantastic. So what we're going to do is we're going to go into the top of the hour. We've got the Kiss Room house band. Bill, hang on. We're going to take a listen. We're going to be back on Monco Radio where music and minds meet. Meet, meet you in the Kiss Room. Meet, meet you in the Kiss Room. Hey, you're not allowed to smoke in the Kiss Room. Hi, everybody. It's Gene Simmons. You're listening to the Kiss Room on Montco Radio, but you knew that. You wanted the best, and you got it. The hottest man in the land, Matt Porter. first song features two-handed tapping, which I believe was invented by Thabo.
This next song is Shock Me, and as most people know, Ace Frehley was almost electrocuted on stage in Lakeland, Florida. What most people don't know was there was a mysterious figure roaming around during soundcheck that day. Could it have been a former bandmate with an axe to grind? I guess we'll never know. Thirteen for a dozen.
We like to dedicate this one to Bob Kulik. Take me down below. Enough said. Ship is ready to ride. 
This one goes out to Google, Facebook, and Amazon. Alexa is searching for Bobby Dreher. Because <laughs> you know they're watching you! And we are back. Obviously, that was the Kiss Room House Band bringing it as they do every month. 
They are fantastic, and I really appreciate them taking the time to share all that with us. I'm back with Bill Baker. We talked a lot in the first hour about KISS stuff, Ace stuff, discovering KISS, things like that. But I know also that you are a master of repairing and fixing and taking care of guitars, and I really kind of want to get into that. Talk about how you started with that. Um, you know, it's funny. I started at it because it was essential for me to take care of my own guitars. And it's funny. I have a, I found a picture recently when I was a kid, I'd find guitars in the garbage, believe it or not. And then I'd be like, well, I got to try to make it better. My father, he did these radio control garage door openers. So he had all sorts of electronic tools and soldering stuff and, and he sort of guided me, like we'd look at an electric guitar, which he really didn't know anything about, but he'd be like, well, you know, if there's two connections here, you should resolder that, make sure that's a good, clean solder connection. And that kind of started me thinking about tinkering around with guitars. Now, I not really afford to buy a good guitar, but I could certainly find one in the garbage and play around with it. <laughs> so, yeah, it was at a, at a necessity I learned to play around with guitars and stuff I'd get, you know, trying to make it sound better or uh, keep it in tune or adjust it properly. And then I'd look at other friends' guitars and notice something wasn't right or the action wasn't right. That's the height of the strings off the fingerboard. And as being a player myself, I wanted certain things. So it, it's funny. I, I, I hate getting old where I used to never measure things, but now because of my eyesight, you know, getting older and wearing bifocals, I double check and measure things to make sure. And I, I have measurements in my head of where I know things should be. And that's the downside of getting older. But um, it just, I really am totally self-taught and figured things out along the way. And Somehow it led me to work for a number of big names. <laughs> and I, I love my job. I mean, what else can I say? And even during COVID, when, you know, the place that I, I work at a place Monday through Friday, and then I have a workshop in my house. And we were closed for three and a half months because we were non essential. I know up, I'm sure up by you, Pennsylvania, uh, you know, things were, I think the Martin Guitar Factory closed down for a few months too. Yeah. So, you know, I had friends, you know, calling me, emailing me, texting me, uh, hey, I got a guitar, you want to work on it? I was like, geez, you know, after 37 years, I'm kind of enjoying this uh, three-month vacation, you know. <laughs> One guitar worked on, there must be a uh, two bottles of wine or a 30-pack uh, placed with your guitar in my garage. Um, <laughs> but, um, so, you know, it's... I mean, my life is nonstop guitars and, uh, of course, you know, during COVID and I think Fender said that they sold more guitars than ever and more people than ever signed up for the free beginner lessons. So everyone's at home during COVID and number one, they're cleaning their house and they're like, Oh, I got three guitars in my gar my garage or my attic or my basement. Let me call Bill and he'll set them up for me. Uh, <laughs> and then I got, you know, emails from this one particular customer. I just still remember. He's like, I bought five guitars during COVID. And when you open up, I need to bring them in all for setups. 
And, you know, people like, oh, you know, I've been deciding during COVID plus getting that extra $600 a month unemployment. I want to get that refret when you open. So my work <laughs> has just been busier than ever, which I'm very, you know, thankful for. I have a job. I'm in demand. People like what I do. I'll tell you one thing. Um, in a service-oriented business, you better respect your customers. And you better realize that they're people just like you. And a lot of my customers become my friends. You know, I, I love dealing with people and helping people. And I sometimes uh, the smile on their face and their happiness is, is worth more than the money that you get for the job you do. And I think sometimes working for regular people is a lot better than working for famous people because some famous people can be a little jerky and picky and, you know, and you get it. You know, they're, it's, it's their living and their guitar better be right and they'll get pissy if it's not. Um, so, I mean, I've, I've worked uh, – this one guy that I worked for, I don't know if you remember the band Blue Cheer. Sure. They, yeah, they had Summertime Blues and I got to – I went to a gig to see them and drag my wife and my friend. We go to see Blue Chair and I go to get some stuff autographed and I have this pick guard and the guy Dickie's like, oh, where'd you get this pick guard? I said, well, I fix guitars for a living. And he's like, would you come downstairs to look at my bass or something wrong with it? And I'm like, um, okay. So I, you know, give the pile of stuff to my wife. I'm like, I'm going to look at his bass. Oh, okay. Go ahead. There he goes. And so I fixed his bass and I still remember, he's like, well, how much do I owe you? I'm like, I can't take money from you. <laughs> I said, I, you know, when I was a kid, my father's friend gave me your albums. I mean, I, you know, and we became friends and I became his last tech in life. And I built him a base as a gift. And uh, he was the smile on his face. And I even have a video of him thanking me for it and everything. I mean, I didn't care what it cost or I had to fly out there to give it to him. It was just worth making him happy because it was something he really wanted. So to, to be able to do these things for people, it's, it's really, you know, I, I just can't say how thankful I am to have a job like that, you know, making a lot of people happy by making uh, their guitars sound good. That's fantastic. Do you ever, do you ever do lessons? Were you ever a teacher at all in that? Uh, you know, I have not because I guess, I guess because when I like to do it, I just like to concentrate and do it. And I've, you know, I have some YouTube videos to teach people how to restring their guitars or about intonation or switch problem. Or, uh, I even have one, how to restring your Rickenbacker 12 string, which is not an easy chore, but I think I made it look easy. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, and somebody told me that my restring video, and if you if you go on YouTube and look up proper restring baker, it'll come up. It's got over two hundred thousand views. I guess I'm one of the world's three top restring methods, and I came up with that really out of when I was playing with fractured mirror and I was playing nines tuned E flat, and I wanted to stay in tune. And from watching the way people would restring their guitars and not do a good job and tie knots and put too many wraps and not enough wraps, I just came up with a very simple method. And when you're doing 
a whole bunch of guitars a week and you have to restring them. I couldn't tell you how many guitars I've restrung in my lifetime. You have to come up with something consistent and easy. So I came up with this method and again, I have uh, a couple videos showing the same thing and somebody even showed me a, a video where somebody copied my method but thankfully they said this is Bill Baker's method and <laughs> nice you know, but it's you know guitar uh I think there's going to be a big renaissance now because people just have not been able to perform they've been locked up they're at home they're playing for themselves and to records some people are getting together, you know, and trying to social distance and, you know, keep their band going and stuff. But people are just dying to get out and, and perform music. I mean, yes, it's great. Like, you have your show. You can play songs and stuff. The people that are locked in and working and they're, oh, I'm so thankful Matt has, he's playing this or doing this or talking about this. It's just a, such a good break from the everyday you know, he's a KISS fan just like me. You know, that guy is so awesome. And the music is essential for people. And once things open up, people are, I, I hope, music will come back. Maybe more clubs will open, more venues will open. I guess we'll see. You know, well, you know, I really appreciate you hanging out and talking to me on the Kiss Room. I think to kind of wrap it up, favorite song to play, Kiss song. Parasite is one of my favorite songs. Um, Fantastic. And maybe watching you, you know, and of course, Rip It Out is always great. Shock Me. There, you know, it's hard to pick one. You can't just pick one. You know, it really is tough to pick. I mean, that's, you know, that's something that somebody could say to you. Well, what's your favorite album? It depends what mood I'm in that day, but it's usually rock and roll over. <laughs> yeah. When you have a band like Kiss, you know, OK, so rock and roll over is I mean, it's a great album. Um, they're all great. You know, all the early ones, each one, in a sense, in my mind, they had a different personality. So just like you said, depending on your mood of the day, you might be like, I'm in a hotter than hell mood today. You know, I, I, I want to hear strange ways, you know, or, you know, my day is bright and sunny. I think I'll put on Dress to Kill because that <laughs> album is so clean and so perfectly recorded, you know. So, I mean, you know, and that's part of the magic of Kiss was the treats that we got, and you know, when we were growing up and the new albums came out. I saw the other day somebody posted that um, it was the anniversary of Double Platinum, and I still remember my father bought it for me and brought it home. And I knew he was going to get it for me that day because I asked him, and he, he brought it home. I was so excited, you know, and hearing strutter 78 for the first time you know uh the you know it's great and then of course you get the little order form oh my god what can i send for <laughs> how, many, how many lawns can i mow and maybe i can get some tips from my newspaper route to uh to buy the you know i as a matter of fact ace gave me and it's one of my prized possessions uh the silver belt buckle so which is the double platinum belt buckle and it's like in pristine condition. I will, I, I think I'm, I told my wife she can bury me in that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh. 
sell the earring, but bury me with the uh, belt buckle. That's amazing. Well, Bill, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. Is there any last-minute thoughts you want to share with the KISS Army listening all around the planet? Um, I don't know. I guess other than be thankful for your life and for what you have and that you got through COVID and be thankful that KISS is here and that they're all still alive and uh, hopefully they'll tour, Ace will tour, I'll see Ace at the supermarket, uh, <laughs> and we'll shop together for Brussels sprouts or something. And um, you know there'll be more music, and uh, hopefully there'll be another Kiss convention, and maybe I'll get invited as a guest and see some people and shake some hands, and uh, maybe the band that's playing will say, "Bill, do you want to do put it back on?" <laughs> <laughs> I'll say, well, I think I can pull it off, but uh, you know, this old man—it's it's terrible. I'm 55 years old now, and you think back, the those Kiss Expo days—that was half my life ago. Oh, yes, indeed. <laughs> but at least we made it through COVID. We're still here, and we can talk about all this great stuff. And Matt, I want to say thank you for having me on your show and for having this show in the first place. And you've been doing it a long time, so congratulations to you. Well, thank you so much. You're in the Kiss Room on Mako Radio, where music and minds meet.
KISS Army, we are back. Thank you to Bill Baker for spending time in the KISS room and for sharing so many great stories. Thank you, as always, to the super talented KISS room house band for bringing it every month. Before we continue, I want to give you a chance to enter the latest contest in the KISS room. If you go to thekissroom.com and click on the win page, there's an entry form right there. You can win a copy of Paul Stanley's autobiography. You can win a copy of Kiss Behind the Mask. Uh, you know, all you have to do, go to the win page of thekissroom.com. You're going to see there's an entry form right there. And the key is you need to enter the secret word. And because the one book is Paul Stanley, the secret word is Star Child. Okay? Go to thekissroom.com. Click the win page. The secret word is Star Child. And now I have a special guest joining me here in the Kiss Room, Candy Burton from Candy's Kiss Corner and a handful of candy right here on Monco Radio where music and minds meet. Candy, how are you? Uh, fantastic, Matt. How are you? You know what? I am doing so well. It's it's April. It's our April Fool's edition here of the Kiss Room. Can you imagine that we got Thabo to appear on the show. You know what? The only thing better than having Thabo on the show is having Oliver Kiss on the show. That goes way back. That's awesome. Two of the most mysterious members of history, Oliver Kiss and Thabo, and now we've had them both. So, uh, so look, I, I wanted you to come on here. I, I want to give a bunch of shout outs to some people, but I also want your help talking about what we are doing on Monday. For everybody that's listening to this on the live broadcast or maybe over the weekend, we're going to talk about that. But first, I got to go through and uh, give some shout outs to everybody who has shared the link. And if you, hey, look, if you've been listening for the last hour and a half and you're still with us, thanks to you. But obviously, the first name on the list, thanks, Candy, for always sharing the link and being so supportive of the Kiss Room. Oh, what can I say? Uh, you know, I gravitate to where the talent is, uh, <laughs> I guess, if you want to put it that way. And, you know, I mean, I, I love sharing the links. I love showing support for my friends. Obviously, you do such a great job and you've supported me so much over the years. I mean, it's the least I could do is, is spread the word about the Kiss Room, which is the most awesome radio show in the history of terrestrial radio. And look, you got Canada. I got down here in Bluebell, PA. We're worldwide. So it's Monco Radio where music and minds meet. Now, look, I'm going to give a shout out to a mutual friend of ours, Chris Goff from the Kiss World. Kiss World. Kiss World. Now, Chris, thanks a million for doing that graphic for me and always doing such cool graphics. I want to send a shout out. Hannah Rog, it's your birthday month. Hannah, happy birthday. Hannah, happy birthday, my dear. Thanks so much for adding me. I appreciate it. We got Joe Simbelli. We got Tony Mann, Cameron Duty, your good friend from Kiss Alive Unplugged, the music of Kiss. Dottie Jones is listening. Ricky Cook, Javier Boaster, Kat Mara posted, you know, I had somebody said that Kiss sucks and I had to kill them. So it was just, uh, <laughs> it's pretty great, Kat. Kiss Army Omaha. Omaha. You got Ron Jones from the Let It Rip podcast. They are running wild on that page. Can't wait to see you in Nashville. Bill Elam from A to Z Radio running wild over there with that crew. David Cathy, I hope you're going to be at Rockin' Pod. AJ Zonin, Joe Laskin, Greg Johnson, Steve Yakin, Josiah Horn, Sean Cullen. Sean, you got to be at Rockin' Pod, right? John Phillips, Steve Javorski. Steve, you making it down for Rockin' Pod? James West, Mikhail Burel, Al Dent. 
Britton Mitchell from Kiss Cosplay. Kiss Cosplay. Brandis Willie has a birthday coming up. Thabo said to wish her a happy birthday before he left. Hey, listen, shout out to Brandis. Uh, her and I have uh, been friends for a while. I haven't actually spoken to her, but, you know, we used to go to shows up in my neck of the woods all the time, and I miss the hell out of her. Hello, Brandis. Happy birthday. Well, there's a dream team right there. You got Sam Dotton. Obviously, Sam's your buddy. Tunes in every week for your show. What does he want? Pineapple soda? What's always uh, on his mind? Well, it's either pineapple soda or Philly cheesesteaks. One of the two. <laughs> John Picard, Marianne Cowley, Matteo Baccaro, David Zanuck, Kiss Army Torino. Torino. James Brendan Dunn is all the way down in Australia. Australia. We got Lee Bruton. We got Rolla Brown from the North Carolina Kiss Army. North Carolina Kiss Army, huh? What? <laughs> Shout out to Bob Brodsky, Fran Galanti, Jerry Lee Watkins, Steve Campagna, Chris Hartman, everybody that shares the link. A lot of that's Kiss Room House Band stuff. Peter Arquette from Kiss Asylum shares my link every month, and I couldn't thank him enough. Punk and Judy, obviously. Eric Wisniewski, Judy Wisniewski. They are the electric crush. They shout me out every week on their show, which is live on Wednesdays from 7 to 9 p.m. on Tube City Online. You can tune, tune in via the TuneIn app, just like you listen to the Kiss Room. Look, they do a great show, and they are live. They'll take your requests. They are fantastic. You got Joe Polo in the Podcast Rock City crew. You got Ken Mills, of course, in the podcast. You might have heard a familiar Gene Simmons voice at the start of this. Was that Ken or was it really Gene? I'm not telling. Yeah, which, of course, we had a lot of fun with that. Uh, obviously, Anthony Porter. Shout out to you. Thabo thanks you for giving him a voice. Madison <laughs> Porter. The lovely Amy Porter. Thank you for sharing the link. I want to send a huge shout out to the Metal Summit, which is Bobby Dreyer and, of course, Jay, Steve, Angel, and Jason. And they had me on their show live. I had a blast with those guys. Those guys are so much fun. Their show is live every Wednesday night, 9 o'clock, streaming out on Facebook. And I had a blast. It was really fun. And if you want to go back and listen to that, I'll post the link in the Kiss Room. I'll blog it on the thekissroom.com. The... Uh, if you like what you listened to for the last two hours, you want to hear two hours more of me talking about Kiss, hey, that's your place to go, Metal Summit. Uh, they've had a lot of big stars. I mean, people that you would know, very uh, well-known musicians and, you know, and me. And, uh, you know, <laughs> shout out to Joey Casada. I was just on Top 5 with Joey Casada. I'm not sure when that's going to air, but we just recorded that last night. And shout out to Cameron Duty, Alive Unplugged, the music of Kiss. He's had me on his show, and he also included a bunch of fans in the last month episode where we were talking End of the Road. I think you were on that one as well. I was. Um, now, my, my story was a little unique because I was one of many that did not get to see them on the uh, End of the Road tour. But I was very lucky to see them on the Farewell tour twice. Like, I mean, I, I didn't. So much appreciated back then before I kind of, you know, dived a little deeper into history. Um, but, you know, 20 some odd years later, I kind of realized, you know what? I got to see the original four. I mean, that was brought right to my doorstep, which was really, really cool. 
Well, you know, the end of the road's not over yet. I keep saying the end of the road is a cul-de-sac. It might go around a bunch of times. So it's uh, we're having a good time with that. And I want to give a shout-out to Pasquale Barry and superfan Andy Moyen on the launch of their new podcast, which is the Kiss Army Nation podcast. Now, Pasquale's been doing Kiss Army Nation TV for a while. In fact, he came down when I met him in real life. He actually came down to Monco for our uh our live 75 broadcast when we had that whole crew in the studio and he was there for that, which was really just fantastic because it's, it's fun to meet people in real life. You know, that you only kind of know, and he was all the way from Canada. So just, uh, you know, it was, and you've made that trip yourself. You know what that's like, right? Oh yes. 13 and a half hours going there, you know, killed my back in the process, but Hey, it was all worth it. I got to be in the studio. I got to meet you. I got to meet Cameron from uh, completely damaged radio and just so many people. And uh, I'm so glad I got to take that trip. You know what? One of the great things about all this podcasting is that we get to meet people and it's all about the community and coming up the end of this summer is going to be rock and pod four in Nashville. Let's take a minute and listen to this promo featuring the powerful and attractive Aaron Camaro. It's been a long time since we've rock and rolled, but that all changes this August as Rockin' Pod returns to Nashville. This annual convention brings together rock artists, fans, and podcasters for an unforgettable rock experience. Special guests this year include Billy Sheehan, Ron Keel, Don Jameson of That Metal Show, and current and former members of Winger, L.A. Guns, Accept, and more. Stage panels, signing sessions, and photo ops will be available, plus lots of vinyl and memorabilia vendors. Music podcasters from all over North America will be appearing on site for live interviews, speaking sessions, networking, and more. Got a music podcast? Register and join us. Rockin' Pod Weekend kicks off with a pre-party featuring former Tesla guitarist Tommy Skeo and his new band Resist and Bite making their debut performance as well as a rare hair set featuring surprise guests performing all-time classics. Rockin' Pod Weekend takes place August 6th through the 8th in Nashville, Tennessee. Tickets, VIP passes, podcast registration, and discounted hotel rooms are available now at rockandpod.com. Rock and Pod is brought to you by DBG Productions, Bradley Entertainment, and Encaptia. And we're back, and I'm talking to Candy Burton from Candy's Kiss Corner and a handful of candy. We're having the best time ever, and we were just talking rock and pod. What do you think? You're coming down to that. You're going to be at the Kiss Room table. You're going to be next to the Metal Summit table. You're going to be with the Electric Crush who are hanging at the Kiss Room table because I split it in half because we're joining forces to have the greatest time ever. <laughs> You're starting to sound like a valley girl, Matt Porter. <laughs> But uh, no, listen, I'm so excited to finally get to get down there to uh, Nashville Rock and Pod. I'm so excited and so thrilled and honored that you'd let me share the table with you. Um, you know, just being in the same room as, with so many people that you podcast with, that you talk to on social media, but you never get to see in real life. I'm going to quote what you said last year, which is that your Facebook life really does come to life. And there's something so surreal about that, where you reach out virtually and touch people. You know, and now you can actually see them in person. There, it, there really is something so surreal about that. Well, you know, it's the crazy part is that so many of these people, you know, even just as a podcast listener myself, you know, you spend a lot of people 
a lot of time with people with their voices in your head, you know, maybe driving to work or, or sitting outside on the deck or wherever, and you're listening and then you actually meet them. And there's that person who that voice really comes from. It is a blast. And I would really recommend to everybody, you know, anybody within the sound of my voice, which is of course, all of you, you got to be down there. You heard that promo. You heard, you got to check out the website because they're adding special guests every day. I mean, it really is amazing what you know the the number of people special guests but more than anything it's about the podcasting if you're a fan of podcasting if you're listening to me right now i want to meet you because you know you listen to me come down and hang with us we have the best time it really is you know just an awesome time i mean that's like metal summit i was just on with them the other night and they're all going to be there. It was great. And they were busting each other's balls about who's, you know, who's going to make it, and who's not going to make it. But, the, uh, you know, and it's funny because it's just it's one of those things. It's always been a super fun event. And I'm already looking forward to it. I and mean, obviously, you know, in the year 2021, it's probably going to be a little bit different, but uh, there'll still be lots of fun. Maybe we'll be wearing masks, but who knows? <laughs> well, see, if we're going to wear masks, we either need to wear a kiss mask or people need to go to clickteashop.com and order them order a kiss room gator, a kiss room neck gator. Come on. You know, what would we think? How can we say that without mentioning the, the jingle? Click T. Click T. When you want a t-shirt. shop.com all right we are back and you know what we're kind of running out of time but I, the one other thing i wanted to talk to you about was if you're listening to this broadcast live on monaco radio where music and minds meet or if you're listening over the weekend and you still have time this monday april 12th we are running what is going to be called the Monaco Radio Inauguration Marathon. And I'm really super excited. Obviously, I'm always very proud of Monaco Radio. Anybody that's listened to the Kiss Room for the last nine years, you know Monaco Radio was the broadcast home of the Kiss Room. And Montgomery County Community College, where we broadcast from, will be having the inauguration of our new president, Dr. Bistecki Perez. And it is a week-long celebration of this event. And on Monday, we will be doing a radio marathon that starts at 8 a.m. And it goes every hour is a different show. We'll have the debut of a new podcast that we've started called Monco on the Move. You can tune in for that. And more importantly, we're going to have a special Candy's Kiss Room, Candy's Kiss Corner, Candy's Corner of Kiss Room, whatever you want to call it, you're going to be there. You let me be on your show. We're going to be part of the marathon. We are going to, you know, obviously play some Kiss songs. We're going to play some of Dr. Bistecki's favorite songs. What else do you have in store for us? Well, if I just got to put this forward. I'm very excited to uh, be part of that uh, inauguration marathon for Dr. Bistecki. I mean, obviously, I've not been lucky enough to meet her in person, but I've heard so many great things about her. I mean, from you, from other people that have that have worked with her. Um, and I, I was really excited to actually jump into this and uh, help her celebrate the inauguration. Um, and so, I mean, there's there's a variety of programming going on that day. And if I can also say, I'm very excited and very thrilled and honored to be included with such talented people on Monco. Like, Monco is the place to be. And, uh, I mean, as far as that goes, and Candy's Kiss Corner, we kind of go hand in hand. Kiss Room, Candy's Kiss Corner. And I felt it was only right to do a very special um, crossover episode for that. I mean, who else am I going to bring on? The Who better than Matt Porter, right? <laughs> 
you know, I was thrilled that you let me come on and do that. It really, it will be a lot of fun. We'll, uh, you know, so everybody can tune into that the same way they listen to the Kiss Room live here every second Friday of the month on Mako Radio where music and minds meet. You know, we're just about out of time. Candy, you want to pick a song to take us out with? Well, that's a rhetorical question. I got to hear Psycho Circus, my all-time favorite. Your all-time favorite song to wrap up the April Fool edition of the Kiss Room. And guess what? This goes out to everybody out there who is feeling a little crazy. It's a psycho circus. On Mako Radio, where music and minds meet. right we got to fade out because we have to make way for seriously zappa coming up next right here on mako radio 
Kiss Army, thank you for joining me for the April Fool edition of The Kiss Room. I want to thank Bill Baker. I want to thank the Kiss Room house band. I want to thank the mysterious Thabo, who gave us such a great interview. I want to thank Candy Burton, who helped me wrap up the show. And I want to thank all of you for listening. You can enter to win those books. You can come back next month. It's a party. You're invited. Bring your friends. Join me back here next month in the Kiss Room on Monaco Radio, where music and minds meet. You have been one hell of an audience tonight. Why don't you give yourselves a round of applause? I'll tell you something. You know, a lot of bands like to brag about their fans. Now, naturally, you better believe we brag about you, but we want you to know something. We want you to know, we know that you are our fans, but don't you ever forget, we are your fans! We love you! Thank you for listening to The Kiss Room. Stay tuned to Montco Radio. last minute crazy things you want to say to conform with expectations no but i will say something to anybody out there that's you know the weird guy or the weird girl that always has the weird things that they do that their friends put them down for don't think it's so weird maybe someday somebody will let you give you the chance to make a living out of it you just stick to it you'd be weird <laughs>